Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. Once again, we have Jared Gifford on hey. the mic. <laughs> How are you doing, Jared? Doing good. Now, we have a really special podcast for you guys because we've been talking for a little bit about B-rated movies that not necessarily got a whole lot of fame and a whole lot of, you know attention given to them but we're still really really good decent movies and we're not just talking about the action ones we're not just talking about like the drama ones there's some pretty mm -hmm. decent horror b-rated films that i know i enjoy well all, all sorts of genres the only thing is is that uh, no matter what the genre it's probably got a a, a what's considered a b movie in it and then mm -hmm. uh, to explain to the audience and uh, and and for those who are not knowledgeable with the term um, B-movies used to, back in the day, in the 60s and 70s, um, B-movies used to refer to movies, they'd be, it would be the second movie in a set. Yeah. You'd have, you'd have the primary movie, and then you have the B-movie. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it actually has a slightly different meaning, um, and nowadays, it means more... Uh, a a B-movie is basically a movie that ne didn't necessarily do well at the box office, but gained uh, gained a very good cult status after it came to video. And there is a complete huge distinction between your indie Sundance gorilla movies yeah. and B-rated movies. Some people yeah. think that um, if you say B-rated movie, it's automatically talking about a film festival movie, which is not exactly the case. Oh no, because there have been plenty of very successful indie movies. Exactly, and that's what I and that's why and, and, and I'm glad that you made that distinction. Because the thing is, is that yes, there have been some B movies even in the indie circuit. But the only difference is with the uh, to clarify with the indie circuit and uh, and and the regular Hollywood studios is that independent movies are funded not by huge studios they're actually funded by the by the creators themselves by and by small studios and by donations and sometimes um, uh sometimes like a donation or yeah. even the actors will pull in and yeah. throw some some but money together as well indie movies are just they're independent of the hollywood system yeah that's that so to clarify that's what it means and um and then with uh, and and then, and then like I said with with B movies with B movies no matter what it is whether it was made independently or it was a big Hollywood movie a B movie is as I said by nowadays standards it's a movie that didn't necessarily do well and in theaters uh -huh. but it gained a cult following once it came to video and one that I can think of that didn't really necessarily do well at the box office. But mm. I feel it's a B-rated movie. It's mm. absolutely amazing, and I, I still to this day laugh my tits off. Yeah. The Burbs with Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, so damn funny. Oh, that is. It's actually that's actually pretty hilarious, and and and, and that that that's actually considered yeah, another sort of classic amongst its fans. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying. It's like usually when you mention Tom Hanks, most people will think of um, his later stuff. Yeah. And the Burbs was actually some of his early stuff. Mm -hmm. That was that was when he was doing movies like Splash. Yeah, or like uh, Big. Well, you know, basically straight up comedies. Mm -hmm. It was when Tom Hanks was doing straight up comedies because most people nowadays usually think of him as like, oh, he's that he's that big dramatic guy, the guy who does all those dramatic movies, or he 
helps produce like all those specials for Showtime and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're thinking of like the Da Vinci or, Code, and you're thinking of like, you know, these other ones that have him in it with these these yeah. big Hollywood roles of seriousness. Oh yeah, or, or like you know some of the uh, some of the HBO specials or something like like basically because I know that he helped he helped produce um, from the Earth to the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, he helped produce Band of Brothers. Yes, he did. Uh, I think he actually helped it, write that as well. Um, I think so. Um, but basically, there was a lot of stuff that he was doing. Um, but, but anyway, most people think of that. But I love it how you mentioned the Burbs because the Burbs was during this comedy period and. I don't know, I, I kind of lament it in, in this fact that, you know, it's like, I mean, I know that a lot of people, like, you know, you, you're a creative person, I get this. Yeah. You, you want to move on, you want to do different stuff, and you don't want to be stereotyped a certain way. But, damn it, man, I at least want to see Tom Hanks in at least one more comedy again. The guy's so good in it. Mm-hmm. Even, and I'll even take this, because <laughs> I know that it would be really, really cool if they were to cast him... In a reboot of Ghostbusters, I'd watch it. I mean, oh. Tom Hanks has that funny slapstick comedic feel well, that did. the Ghostbusters had well, they back did when actually, they had. They actually did try you know. to. Um, and once again, um, I'm going to clarify right now, so, so that, that there's there's no uh, there's, there's no argument about it. The thing is, is I'm going off simple facts here. I, uh, my personal opinion of the new Ghostbusters reboot was that it was all right, but I thought they could have done better. That was just my opinion. Has no, no bearing on the, the actors who were in it, no bearing on, on, uh, on anything else. I just thought it was a pretty average movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and the thing was, is that there's just certain, there's just certain movies and, this is what it has. This is what it comes down to. Yeah, there's certain movies that have a certain kind of feel to it, and I think they would have been better off because because uh, I think that the, the what they were trying to do with the new Ghostbusters, I, I I at least can get behind that. I can mm-hmm. at least get behind what they were trying to do with it. But the thing was, is they were trying to recreate what couldn't be recreated. What they what they needed to do was this would have been better if they had actually made it more as a sequel and maybe this was like the new generation of Ghostbusters that was coming around, I think it would have been a lot more accepted. That would have probably um, not ground a whole lot more gears than the one that came out did. Well, yeah. Um, well, and then... And, and, um, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, because... Um, you, 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 you can't recreate something that you can just tell it's just special and 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 it's just it's just good in its own right um but like i said i really my personal opinion on the new newer reboot is that it would have been much more widely accepted and i think it would have just been better mm-hmm. had they scripted it as a sequel and not as a complete reboot of the series. And I feel also there's another movie that if they were tried to redo it, I think it would bomb. Which uh, is? Conan the Barbarian. Well, actually, they did try that as well. I, 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 what's funny is I like how you bring these up because every one of these ones did have a reboot. Exactly. Because uh, what happened was, you know, most people when they think Conan the Barbarian, usually they think of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Just kind of that. But, they but think what a lot of people don't know is it was about... Uh, about 2011, 2012, 
they actually did try to do a reboot of Conan the Barbarian with Jason Momoa. Oh, that's right. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. And <laughs> that one, I, let, me, at least, let me give, first, I'll give it credit where credit's due. I like the fact that they wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. That they wanted to do something that was a little bit more closer to the um, to the comic book source material, or even to the novel source material. See, and I, I can um, give them credit for that. At I'll least give them, yeah, yeah, I'll give them. But where they failed was to me is the same way that people failed when they tried to reboot Clash of the Titans. Oh dear God! Um, and that is that is that they had is is that they had a very basic plot. And the rest was just special effects, special effects, special effects, special effects. I mean, th- that's pretty much what it was. It's like, it's like, all, like, all, like all the creatures in that Conan movie, all the stunts in that Conan movie, like, like everything was like, like one just big CGI fist. And I'm I'm gonna harp on this a bit because I know we don't complain a whole lot on this podcast, but I've just got to gripe a little bit. I have never ever been a fan of CGI and the reason is you can't get the authenticity of creativity from like thinking up and being creative like the 60s and 70s came out with those kind of movies that CGI does because it's like well we can do whatever the hell we want with CGI and everybody will be okay with it but when you had like say that take the exorcist for instance look at all the stuff that they had to be creative with in order to just make it and give it that horror, gothic, creepy feel to it. Mm-hmm. You you couldn't remake that now because it would just be shit. Well, uh, the thing is, is that uh, I'm going a little, little bit down the middle with the CGI stuff. Because I, I totally agree with you on the fact that there are certain, there are certain things that they should do with practical effects that, that work a little bit better. However, there is some stuff that I think that is really good for... That is, it is good for CGI. Like, 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 like... Like, if you're doing, like, an epic sci-fi, I can totally see why, why you want to CGI maybe an epic space battle. That's a whole lot easier than, than building 50 billion models and, uh, or, 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 like, sketching them all out by hand. You True. Know? Well, I will yeah. give you that. But... Yeah, but well, what I'm saying is, let me put it this way. My personal opinion on this, and I think, I th- I think this is a good medium, yeah. is CGI should only be used to enhance a scene. Not to make the scene. Mm-hmm. The scene, it sh- the scene itself, should be built upon how how good the performances are, how good the look is, how good the concept is. Um, but CGI should just enhance all that. So if you're going to CGI it, uh, it'd be CGI in a spurst with practical effects. And the CGI should be just for a small, momentary space and time and then go back to the practical oh no i mean uh, and you can you can actually have it in there many many times but what i'm saying is is it can't overwhelm what's going on <coughs> michael um, bay yeah <laughs> but, uh, but th- th- that's what i'm saying it's like uh, just just to the point where basically it's enhancing a scene it's not making the scene i'm not saying that michael bay hasn't made good movies because he has it's just he, uh, uh. it's the genre that they keep throwing him into. Um, the the biggest problem, and, and if you're gonna uh, go on to Michael Bay here, is that uh, is that if it's a strictly military based movie, because I've seen his military movies and, and they're they, all really they, good. They do really well. Yeah, 
It was a strictly military based movie. He does really well at it. However, when they give him any other genre, he has a tendency to always go the same way. And and I'll use I love it. You said uh, like uh, I'll use two two big examples that that he was involved in. Transformers movies, all of which he directed, mm-hmm. um, and then the two newest Ninja Turtle movies, which he didn't direct but he produced. But you know his influence was in there. Uh, yeah, you can yeah. definitely find that. In yeah, there. but the whole thing is, is is every time he does that, he has a tendency to first off he he he's very sexist in his portrayal of women. Well, of course um, he is. He's a uh, like uh, like whenever he does like you, you see Transformers, you see Ninja Turtles. It's basically, you know, you you've either, you've got a lot of women with with bouncy boobs or or, or, or like a firm or like a or like a real firm behind. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, um and 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 then and then they and then there's a you know and then they make and then they make a ton of like dick jokes. Oh yeah, there's so many damn phallic jokes in the Transformers. Yeah. Movies, it, uh, dude. Even some of the images, you what stop the you stop the DVD, and you're like, really? Well, well it, 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 they even had that in the second Ninja Turtles movie. And I mean, and this is what's sick. I mean, I never thought about I never thought about this. And leave it to Michael Bay to even even, even have something stuff like this. It's like in the second Ninja Turtles movie, when when they introduce Bebop and Rocksteady, they actually they actually go to check their penises mm-hmm. like like to see if their penises are enhanced it's like it's like it's like okay dude seriously i don't give a shit whether or not bebop and rocksteady have enhanced penises okay i don't care that's not why i'm watching ninja turtles i want to watch a bunch of ninja turtles kick some ass i don't want to watch a rhino and a warthog check their dicks on that note <laughs> <laughs> But but we we got a little sidetracked here. But I want to go back to what we were initially talking about: B movies that that we grew up on and that we love. Um, like uh, I'll, I'll start out with one of my prime favorites, and this is an awesome movie. And uh, and it's supposed is the thing is it's supposed to be cheesy. It's supposed to have that kind of like just popcorn fun feel to it. Uh, Flash Gordon. Yes, Flash Gordon. Uh, that that to me, I, I love that one. To me, to me, I love what I love about it. What I love about it is that it's a comic book movie. It knows it's a comic book movie, mm-hmm. and so it never, ever, at any point, tries to play it off like it's a non-comic book movie. And it never takes itself seriously, which is yeah. such a blessing. Oh yeah, exactly. That's that's the cool thing about it, and and. Talking about things that I don't think can be recreated, unless they can actually try and go back and do something slapsticky, which I don't think nowadays they can because everything's so freaking damn serious all over the place. Yeah, because you know it, people would get fucking offended. Um, but uh, or either that or I don't know. It's just like everyone seems to have this whole dark and greedy thing. It's like I'm, I'm me. I'm, I'm like I want to move away from that now, and. And I said, if they were ever going to try and reboot Flash Gordon, they couldn't get away with it with the whole dark and gritty thing. Oh, you don't want to give Flash Gordon to Nolan? Uh, (laughs) uh, No, no. no. I mean, if we're going to go down that route, why why not just just give it to Zack Schneider? You could give it to Zack Schneider, and then he could pair up with Tim Burton. (laughs) (laughs) 
and and have Actually, Johnny Depp. Actually, here's the thing. I'll, I'll totally give Tim Burton this. If Tim Burton was given the keys to Flash Gordon, it'd probably still be fun. Mm-hmm. Because um, I have not seen a Tim Burton movie that I did not like. Yeah, exactly. But but back to what I was saying, it's like no. But what I love about Flash Gordon is that that sense of fun that it has. Yeah. And 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 I, I love that is the fact that uh, it never once basically tells you, all right, this is serious drama. No, no. Basically, it's like, hey, this is fun. Watch it and be entertained. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And and yes, and, and that that to me is one of my one of my favorite B movie picks is is definitely the uh, is definitely Flash Gordon. That that's something I would definitely suggest that anybody watch. Is that, you know, that, that that's just a fun movie. One that I feel personally is a B rated movie, even a lot of people don't think it is because for some odd reason they're a bunch of dicks. It's okay. Just go ahead. Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman. I feel that was well. Like... Actually, te- technically, that was a box office smash because <laughs> it actually did make a lot of move, uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. But but um, but uh, uh, and and actually, uh, so I can kind of see the argument, but uh, but um, in this case, you know, I mean. Sometimes I'll have to mention that to people, especially when I talk about different Dracula movies. Because most of the time when I mention Dracula nowadays, most people think of some more modern iterations. You're usually talking about the Hammer Horror Draculas and the Universal uh, Draculas. Yeah, yeah, and then sometimes I, sometimes I do that, but what I'm saying is, I mean, hell, I mean, most of the time when I try to mention Dracula now, um, it depends on which person you're talking with. If, if, he's, if he's a cinema buff like, like, like ourselves, then... Most of the time, the most most of the time they'll usually yeah think of like the classic Draculas and whatnot. Bela Lugosi, Christopher, Lugosi, Christopher Lee. Lee, and 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 then and then even to some extent uh, uh, as you said Gary Oldman. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, but then there are some ones that are more, more like say like newer movie fans who maybe didn't grow up on some of the classics. Yeah, they were um, deprived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like I'll mention Dracula, and most of them will think of the. And, and this one came out, uh, um, I'd say, uh, uh, four or five years ago. Uh, Dracula Untold. Oh Jesus. Yeah, most people. I, I was not a fan of that movie. I'm sorry. Well, just... the uh, for me, the ending ruined it for me. Um, yeah. So what happened was it had a good setup, like some of that medieval stuff and everything. It had a really and, nice build up to and it. And it would. And, and here's the thing, I. I mean, it was supposed to be part of... Because Universal has this initiative, and I was reading up on it. Okay. They have this initiative to reboot or resurrect some of their old horror movie icons. You know, because originality yeah. isn't a thing anymore. Um, but the funny thing is they, they, keep, they, keep, they keep kind of like kind of doing it, but then something doesn't work out, and then they're rebooting it again, and rebooting it. It's like, it was so funny, because like... Uh, because Dracula Untold was supposed to be part of that initiative. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be basically Dracula's origin story. But where they went wrong was, in my opinion, the ending. So what happened was everything else was kind of a good setup. Him being a vampire and everything and the whole medieval thing. I yeah. loved that. Mm-hmm. But what, it, what they should have done was they should have then went into the whole Victorian era setting. What happened with, you know, uh, with the original Dracula and everything. Went right into that. But no, they decide, oh... Let's not do that, and let's 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 now bring it into nowadays. You know, because because you know, 
nowadays, n nowadays is a lot more cool and edgier than than doing a Victorian era stuff. No, because who the fuck wants to do that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I so me personally, if if I had been in charge of the movie, mm -hmm. I would have actually written it to where it when the medieval when the medieval section ended. Yeah. Um, or uh, I guess technically it was Renaissance, but basically when that when when that section ended, mm -hmm. um, I would have then brought it into the original Bram Stoker novel. I would have then I, I would have then went and uh, went and based it in a Victoria era setting where basically you have Jonathan Harker going up to the castle and then this to me this to me would have been the perfect way to edit. This this is how I would have done it. Yeah. I would have had Jonathan Harker going up to the castle and then basically uh you know um him um him getting uh him opening up the door and uh, and being greeted and then being greeted by Dracula, like, at the top of the stairs. Yeah. That would have been, to me, perfect place to end it. And that would have been, that would have been a really good setup for, like, a classic Dracula movie. See, and that would have given it that gothic, old-time aesthetic yeah. feeling that the Hammer Horror Films came out with. Mm -hmm. And it still would have stayed to the story and to the originality of it. And it wouldn't have taken away from what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and, and I like how you you at least brought up the uh, the Gary Oldham Dracula, which uh, once again is technically not a B movie, but we'll, we'll, we'll but you know what? But uh, but I still like that you brought it up because I want to discuss that. Is yeah. that uh, um, but what I like about that movie, what I like about that movie was that um, with uh, Francis Ford Coppola, what he did with that movie was I like the fact that he he. He made an effort to make it feel more like the novel did. See, and I really like that because yeah. as you read the novel, or as I like to do, I'll go to YouTube and I'll have mm. Christopher Lee read it to me because he's just a fucking genius. Oh, uh, yeah. Um. The, the, exactly, exactly. The, no, I mean, that's a good one. Um, but exactly, the, the best what I'm saying is like, uh, and then with that, with that movie, uh, I like the fact that he did that. And then plus, and, and a lot of people don't know this, he did not use, um, he did not use any um, high tech special effects. No, nope. at least for the time period, uh, because what he did was most of them. Um, he, he actually, and this was another thing, because he wanted to have that classic horror movie feel to it. Mm -hmm. He actually, he actually would, um, he, he would actually only use. Um, Effects that that would have been available in the old days, like basically, if he was like like any of those shadow tricks he did, those were camera tricks. Yeah. Um, the uh, the railroad that Jonathan Harker was traveling on, if you if you if you actually watch it, here's the whole thing. A lot of people don't notice this until it gets pointed out, but you watch that, and that's actually uh, that that's actually a, a, a pre-made train set. Mm-hmm. You, you know, th yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. It's like the um, the um, the only the only things that were considered to be like real big, huge special effects, and these were more makeup effects really than special effects. Are you talking about when he turned into the werewolf? Um, well, two, two, uh, well, well, that, and then also the point where he turned into the bat. Oh, yeah, because that the face that they had. Molded for Gary Oldman to wear, yeah. basically. It was very, very... It was dark, and yeah. you could definitely tell that they were going for a more fierce, vampiric type of look. 
But one other one that I like to bring up, that, and I love the fact that you did bring this up, that, that leads me into another one that came out um, just uh, uh, about two years later, but it was part of the, but it was part of the, the same studio came out with it, but it was, uh, um, whereas Dracula was directed by Francis Ford Coppola and produced by him, yeah. this one was only produced by Francis Ford Coppola, but it was directed and written by Kenneth Branagh. I believe I know which one you're... you're Mary Shelley's up. Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's... Oh, my God. Mary Shelley's yeah. Frankenstein was amazing. That one, I have to say... Um, here's something. They still did take liberties, as most movies do. But I, I have to well, tell people Well, they kind of had to. Well, I know, but 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 what I like about this, and I tell <coughs> this all the time, that's got to be one of the most, at least... That's got to be the one of the closest to the book stories of Frankenstein that they have. Because that, because that one at least follows the book in the fact that you know that Victor Frankenstein basically, he 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 was obsessed with basically uh, tapping uh, tapping into the potential of, of of what people could be, and and that and that he wanted to create and that he wanted to create his own life in order to prove that, but then. You know, after the whole thing happened, and after he brought the thing to life, he he understood what his hubris was. Yeah. And then, and then, and and then after that, then he spent the rest of the time trying to, re try, you know, trying to repent for 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 this grievous wrong that he'd done because 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 he had created this creature, which uh, which unfortunately, because of the fact that he was like. You know, like three times as strong as any regular person, mm -hmm. um, and that and that he had these sort of murderous tendencies. Yeah. Um. Basically, um, Frankenstein. What I like about that, um, you know, and and this is where the Kenneth Branagh one really ta taps into that, and 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 is very true to the book. Yeah. Is the fact that it basically talks about overreaching. Um, about going too far. Yeah. You know, you know, how far is too far? Why do you draw the line? Um, and to um, and to Dr. Frankenstein, at the time, he didn't know where the line was, so he mm -hmm. thought, okay, we'll just see what happens. Well, when he started out, there was no line. Yeah. To him, to him it was about proving that he could do it. Mm -hmm. About that it could be done. He was he was thinking more in terms of how great of benefit this was going to be to science, mm -hmm. um, not thinking about the consequences. But then when when and he had good intentions at the yeah. beginning, but then he became obsessed. It's because it's also a story of obsession mm -hmm. and how obsession can ultimately lead to your destruction. Because um, the thing is, is that his obsession is what did it. Because his obsession created the creature. Um, he started which, shutting people that he loved out yeah, uh, yeah. in order to spend more time on the project. Yeah, exactly. And then eventually, after the th creature was completed, that kind of caught up with him. All the, all his hubris, all, mm -hmm. all, all his, uh, you know, like I said, all his obsessive behavior. Um, basically, you know, the he he uh, he he thinks he thinks that the creature's been killed, um, and. Uh, because initially, when because uh, this this happens in the movie and then also um, in the books, and this was where it was kind of accurate, was he's trying to bring the creature down, and then he thinks that the creature basically gets hung and killed, mm -hmm. and 
it actually doesn't. Anyway, um, the creature gets loose, and then initially, initially the creature just wants to uh, understand his surroundings. Yeah. And then anyway, people are rejecting him. People are pushing him away, and 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 and, and then chasing after him because because of his hideous appearance. Yeah. Um, and um, and then and then anyway, uh, then he eventually sneaks out of town, and then basically just wants to be away from people. And and uh, but then he actually ends up in this uh, near this cabin in the woods um, after he's survived in the wilderness uh, for uh, several months or so. Yeah. Um. And uh, anyway, while he's while he's uh, while he's he what happens? He kind of takes residence in this sort of uh, I guess. It's almost kind of like a really... It's like a small barn area mm-hmm. near the side of the cabin. Yeah. And uh, and anyway, while he's there, um, he basically uh, watches this family that lives in this house. He comes attached to that family. Anyway, to try and make a long story short, um, he wants to introduce himself to the family, but he doesn't know how. Anyway, they have a blind grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he figures, okay, hey, maybe if I do this... Maybe if I talk with the blind grandfather, he'll at least like my personality, like who I am as a person. Because during this time, he was listening to them, studying them, and so he was learning language and everything. And he was actually, he, he was actually looking, he because he, he had had his creator's journal. He had Frankenstein's journal in the jacket that he was wearing, mm-hmm. and he, he actually had read it cover to cover, knew it backwards and forwards. Um, and so he had learned language by studying that, and he also learned language by listening to these people and how they interacted with each other. Yeah. And anyway, he finally decides he's going to show himself the old man. Shows himself the old man, anyway, talks with him. Old man uh, invites him in, you know, and uh, once again, the old man's blind, so he can't see his hideous appearance, and that's not affecting him. And they actually end up having this really great conversation, but what happens is, anyway, uh, eventually comes up, the creature basically asks him, because uh, the guy's like, because he eventually finds out that he's been hiding away. Yeah. And then the old man's like, well, why do you hide away? Why don't, well, it's like, why don't you, what, don't you have a family? Don't you have, like, loved ones that you can uh, be around? And uh, anyway, that's when the creature basically tells him, it's like, well, he's like, well, people don't like me very much. They hate my appearance. They shun me. Um, anyway, um, um, and, and then the old man gets curious, and he says, oh, you know, he's like, oh, well, it's like, oh, here, let me, uh, let me feel your face so I can get a picture of what you look like. Um, anyway, uh, he lets him do it, and then the old man, um, he, the old man at first kind of freaks out a little bit, but then he's, he's starting to get to the point where he's kind of to calm down, but then what happens is his, um, son-in-law, son-in-law comes bursting through the door, thinking that the old man's being attacked by this hideous creature. Which is not the case. Which is not the case, but basically what ended up happening, he eventually gets, he eventually gets, sh- uh, shunned out of the, the cabin, he runs into the forest, and at first... At first, he want, uh, what happened was he spent it like a day out there, and he wanted to basically come back and apologize. Mm-hmm. But he comes back and finds out that the family has moved completely out of that place, that it's been abandoned. And, and basically, he takes this as sort of his last slight, the last straw, that basically, that basically humanity's never going to accept him, and that now he is now humanity's enemy. <laughs> <laughs> it really is sad because it, the movie of Frankenstein also shows you about 
what would have happened had they learned how to accept someone or something with differences. Well, exactly. So, well, that one was straight out of the book. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I like the Kenneth Branagh version of Frankenstein, because it's actually one of the more accurate depictions of the story from the book. But anyway, um, that's what I'm saying. But that's another one that, that once again, uh, I think is a really good one. Um, uh, and then... Um, um, going into some um, some sci-fi stuff, um, uh, another B movie I want to point out that's actually I'm a big fan of. Um, so uh, some people like it, some people hate it, um, uh, but I want to talk about um, the Guyver movies. Oh, the MacGyver movies! Those no. are awesome. Guyver, no. <laughs> Guyver. For those not familiar. This is not MacGyver, who can actually, you know, make a sword using, a, you know, a toothpaste and a straw. <laughs> um, this, this is toothpaste and a straw. Yeah, but uh, I'll touch oh, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, and then I'll give you a minty fresh breath. But That's uh, right. <laughs> but no, this is this is a this is a movie. Uh, there's two movies in it. And they're called the Giver, <laughs> and uh, and in this one, uh, and and this one's actually based actually off a off a Japanese manga. Yeah. And the the story about this one is it's a there's this there's this alien suit that actually bonds with its host, and it's actually it's actually used to basically um, fight against these um, these creatures that. Uh, had basically been a part of mankind since its inception, called the Zoonoids. Yeah. And Zoonoids are kind of like enhanced human human beings who basically can turn into these these creatures with these different abilities and different looks. Yeah. Um. Um. But the problem is, is that they're inter more interested in enslaving mankind. They basically um, are sort of like mankind's rulers from the shadows. Yeah. You know. Um. And that eventually they want to take over everything to where there's no humanity and it's just all zoonoids. Anyway, um, the the main character um, and this is uh, and and there's a differentiation. I want to say this between, I mean between the manga version and the movie versions. Um, in terms of the movie versions, I'd have to say that the second one is a little bit better than the first one, but I like the first one because. It does have some comedic value, which I do like, and I did actually see it before I actually had gotten familiar with the history. Yeah. Um, and um, and then and, and then they actually have a and then they actually even have an uh, um, have an anime version. Mm-hmm. So you know, and then that one's a little bit more accurate to the manga, because the main character in the anime is a character named Sho. And he, um, he's, a, he's actually a high school student. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and basically, he, he, um, at first, he just accidentally stumbles into it. He, because what happens is, him and his friend find the Skyver suit, and what happens is it kind of looks like this, this sort of circular kind of shell-like thing at first. Yeah. With this, like, uh, with this, like, like, uh. With this like metal like like this metal dome thing in the middle. Um, anyway, what happens is 
Him and his friend find it in the water, and what happens is uh, he kind of trips and falls and then stumbles head first into it, and then that's when uh, him and the suit become bonded. And it's a, what they call a, um, uh, what, uh, a, a biomechanical suit. Um, and, 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 and it's basically, uh, uh, it's used as a biotechnology, and I don't want to get too complicated on people. Um, and explain the whole thing, but basically, long story short, um, it it works with your biology. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, um, and, and that's how he becomes the Giver in the anime and in the manga. In the movie, they they change it up. Um, I'm guessing maybe it was because they thought that American audiences wouldn't buy a high school student as a hero. I don't know. I mean, this was the early 90s when this movie came out. But anyway, in the in the first movie version, they decided, um, okay, we're going to make this guy a college student. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to totally change his name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh... <sighs> Man, now I'm put on the spot. I can't remember now. Is that thing is? I remember. I remember the anime much better than I do the movie. But it's like I got. I, I should have boned up. But you did, uh, you did that shit yourself. But uh, <laughs> but anyway. It, but but the whole point is, is, it was a. It was a. It was a pretty much a typical everyday snore name. They gave him a name. It was something like, uh, you know, Jack or Joe or Bob or something. No. It was a. It was. Well, I'm just saying, it was a pretty mundane name. It didn't. It didn't stick out. So yeah. It's, Understandable why I can't remember it. Um, no, you're fine. But yeah, they gave him some average Joe name, and uh, and 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 the, the problem was was I understand they they're trying to make him like he's a like like he's kind of a naive slash kind of um, um, sympathetic character. But the problem is is they made him come off, especially in this movie, as basically being. You know, is is basically being stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no way to get around it. They basically made him made him like a, like he was kind of a moron slash like a, like like I'm just gonna accidentally stumble into this kind of stuff. It's like it, it, they didn't make it believable. And then the the tone of the movie. It's like they couldn't decide where they wanted to go with it. Was um, it would it would run all over the place because. Sometimes it would feel more sci-fi horror-based, but then sometimes it would feel more sort of slapsticky and and funny. It was almost like it's almost like they they couldn't decide whether or not they were going to make it. They were going to make it this 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 dark um, anime-based movie uh, and make it more for teens and adults, or if they were going to go more slapsticky and funny and make it appeal to the Ninja Turtle crowd. And I think, see, and I've never seen these movies before, yeah. but I do understand what you're talking about because mm. if you have a movie like this and you want to cater to a certain crowd, mm -hmm. cater to that crowd. Yeah. Because if you bounce all over the damn place, then A, people are going to get extremely lost, and B, well, no one's going to stick around to see if it gains well, any, any popularity. Well, even if you're not catering, be consistent. No matter what your tone is, if you're gonna be make it goofy, make it goofy. If you're gonna make it, if you're gonna make it dark, 
make it dark. And keep it that way. And keep it that way. The whole point is, is you, you can't bounce all over the place with your theme. It's like it's like it's like if you were to take a horror movie and and decide that halfway through you wanted to turn it into a macabre, turn it into a macabre comedy. Yeah. It's like you know. You know, it's the difference between and, and once again, and I love these movies, but that would be like that would be like if you were watching a Dracula movie and then halfway through it, you got Elvira. Exactly. <laughs> or you know, halfway through, you're watching Frankenstein, and all of a sudden the doctor puts on some lederhosen. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, then, well, then they, and then he starts doing some polka. Yeah, exactly. We're like, I don't fucking understand. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like totally. He's like, keep a consistent tone. But, <laughs> but anyway, and then with this movie, and then, and then another thing they did to try and, and sell it, and here's the funny thing, because he wasn't even the main character. He was actually considered one of the side characters. But they, they decided, hey, let's get a, uh, who's a, who's a, who's a great celebrity that most sci-fi nerds are going to know? Oh, I got it. Let's get Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Come on, be in this movie. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and then, and then they decide, and then they decide they're gonna put him in. They put him in as like, I mean, he's still got, I guess, like what you would say, a somewhat big role in it, but he's not the main character. Yeah, he's actually. He's actually the cop who helps out the main character. At least it wasn't this Star Wars Christmas special. Oh God! <laughs> probably had you probably had more makeup than my mom on that one. <laughs> it's like I remember you showing me that, and I was like, "Um, what the fuck am I watching?" Uh, and you're like, "Oh, it's the Star Wars but, Christmas but, special." But, but and I'm to like, not well, dwell, "To not dwell on that uh, <laughs> that waste of brain space." Um, <laughs> the the thing is, but back to what I was talking about, and and. The thing is, is let me put it this way, I like I I like I like I like the first Skyver movie for for several reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, one, I will admit, one one is definitely based in nostalgia because when I first saw it, when I first saw it, I was twelve years old. I was twelve years old and I thought it was just the coolest thing. Yeah, and automatically you're gonna yeah. be like, oh, this is really really cool and it's gonna yeah. stick with you. Exactly, um, and then. Um, so yeah, when I first saw it, I, yeah, I was I was about the right age for that. Um, and then um, and then another thing is, I will admit, the comedic elements actually are entertaining. Um, I think here's the whole thing: if you turn your brain off and then you watch Guyver without any expectations, it actually can be quite a fun movie to watch. Um, now, what I want to get into, and here's where the really good stuff is, and I and I and I feel it just gets overshadowed by the previous ones, which is why a lot of people don't go and watch it. But they did make a sequel to it, but this one was much better. This was actually one of the rare moments where the sequel was better than the original. That does um, happen every now and again. Yeah, and it was, uh, the, there was the second movie. I mean, it's known by two titles. Um, it's known as either just Guyver 2, or, and, and, and a lot of the aficionados know this one, it's also known as Guyver Dark Hero. Mm -hmm. And um, and anyway, uh, this one first off, one of the best things they did, they changed up actors who played as the main character. <laughs> I mean, uh, this, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but the first actor who played as the main character in the first Guyver movie was, was a terrible actor. I mean, his he his 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 acting was all over the place. Um, I could never relate to him. Most of the time, I just wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> no angst there. <laughs> um, and 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 it was just, it, 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 and and he had a tendency to 
to whine most of the time. Now, I'll give him this. When when the movie finally picked up, at least with the first one, when it started getting more action-based, action, action I was like, okay, I, I don't hate this guy as much. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but they totally made a really good move on this one. Second movie, they decided to go and recast him. And you'll never guess... With who they recast him, because a lot of video game nerds are going to be like, "Oh, Jesus uh, Christ!" Yes, because he's been so many video games. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, he kind of has. Uh, check out bootlegs. You know, That's you'll right. Find, you'll, you'll actually find you'll actually find a lot of unofficial Bible games. But no, <laughs> no, no. Actually, he's. He um, he's actually replaced by the actor David Hayter, and for those who don't know who he is, he is the voice of Solid Snake in all the Metal Gear Solid games. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And he does really good a voiceover for like that whole Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid franchise. He does an amazing job. Oh yeah, and yeah, he plays he plays as the main character in the second Guyver movie. And and he does an excellent job. First off, I can relate to him a whole lot more. I, I actually like it. His his acting is a lot more convincing. Yeah. Um, he sells me on the character, and then this one has a lot more going on. I mean, and the tone is consistent. Never once is it slapsticky. It's actually got this nice, consistently dark tone to it. Um, you know, it it because whereas the first one, as I said, bounced back and forth between being sort of a dark sci-fi to being this sort of goofy mess. Yeah. The second one doesn't have that problem. It knows what its tone is, it knows what it's going for, and it sticks with that throughout the entirety of the movie. See, and I, I'm with a lot of other people. When you think of B-rated movies, mm. not only do you think of, okay, I want these to be consistently throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hate the movie. Because B-rated mm. movies are the kind of movies where, like, <laughs> well, there it takes a very special type of person to be like, okay, I really like B-rated movies because some people don't like B-rated movies, and most I, people, most people will. I know, I, I, most I, I, there's a good amount of people I know, and as well as you do, most of them won't even bother to watch a movie unless unless they'd heard about it. If they heard about it, yeah, they'll probably check it out. But if they've never heard about it, they're like, oh no, no, must have not been that good if I didn't hear about it. See, um, and the funny thing is, there. Are a ton of B-rated movies yeah. that are actually really, really good. Oh yeah, and then see, and, and they encompass so many genres. Another one I want to point out, and this is another completely different genre. It's like, because like I said, you know, uh, I like those. But then another one I like, um, and 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 uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to our boss now because he loves this movie as well. Um, all of us in this room love this movie. Mm-hmm. The Last Dragon. Oh Jesus Christ! The Last yeah. Dragon was amazing. Oh, I'm a yeah. big fan of Last Dragon, actually. Oh yeah, and I love it. And it's actually it was it's, and, it's, and I love it because I'm I'm actually a big fan of like martial arts movies, you know, because mm-hmm. I love Jackie Chan movies. I love the Bruce Lee movies. I mean, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. So I mean, so it was natural for me to get like that too. I mean, I actually grew up watching that uh, uh, watching that since I was a kid because. Uh, fortunately, I had an older brother, and he was actually a fan of it as well. And he had actually bought the movie when it first came out. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and anyway, um, me, uh, you, you know, so I grew up on that and loved it. And and the thing is, yeah, I know some of it's kind of wrapped in nostalgia, but and to the thing, I actually went back recently and rewatched it. And while there are some cheesy elements that you know that that you know was like, okay, that's so totally eighties. Mm-hmm. That is so totally eighties. But but the whole thing is, is overall, it's still an enjoyable movie. The thing is, is is it's another one of those movies that as long as you don't take it too seriously, um, you're still gonna have fun. It's it's uh, Last Dragon to me is still a really good fun popcorn flick. See, and I like the nostalgia in old movies, especially yeah. the B-rated ones, because it's something that is just fun, and it's something you can pop in whenever you want, watch exactly. it. Exactly, and it's just. They're just really good movies. Oh, another another movie that you and I we we talked about this just a few weeks ago. Another movie you and I really like, old old B movie, really awesome sort of sci-fi fantasy movie, Crawl. Oh, Crawl's See, and I've seen Crawl a couple yeah. of times, not as yeah. much as you have, but Crawl yeah. is actually a really really nice. It's got that type of sci-fi feel. Yeah. To where you know it's got kind of like a dark, brooding sci-fi feel. It, it's not the. Oh, well, it's, it's not. It's said, not your classic. More, but it's definitely more fantasy <clears throat> based too. Because, because yeah. um, I actually went and lo- uh, looked it up, and, and and I actually found out what happened was, because um, um, uh, because this was this remember this was the early '80s, and like they had so many movie studios. Because what happened was it was around this time that like. This was during the time when Star Wars had exploded. You had, you had, you, you know, you had like, um, you had the first Star Wars. You had Empire Strikes Back, and and you know, and and every, and, and and these movies were coming out around the time. The and they were time. trying to compete with the well, well, hype no, of Star Wars. Well, well no, not not so much compete, but what happened was basically it was like it was like, oh my gosh, Star Wars is a huge success. We need a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And I do kind of like the initial concept that they talked about because um, um, I'd watched a making of, of uh, or like a retrospective thing that they had on the Kroll movie. Yeah. And what they <clears throat> talked about was they wanted to make um, they wanted to make a, a a sci-fi fantasy like Star Wars, but here's the difference. They said that where Star Wars was definitely more um, was was more. Was, was was it had it had a bit of fantasy to it because because it was what they called you know a, a science fantasy yeah not sort of a straight sci-fi but a science fantasy but what happened was it had some fantasy elements but it was definitely more heavily leaning on on more of the science based side well I mean like I said it did have the fantasy elements like you know the force and 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 and, and the mystical powers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but but as far as the look, the aesthetic, it had leaned more on the sci-fi side. What they wanted, what they wanted when they did Kroll, was they said they wanted to do the opposite. They wanted they wanted something that was that had that had bits of sci-fi, but it looked more like a fantasy. Now we are running out of time a little yeah. bit, but is there is there any recommendations for books, comics that you have that are either coming out oh. or that you've read that you feel that the audience should pick up and read? Oh, okay. Well, uh, um, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, this is another thing I want to let people know. We're going to be doing this uh, in, in uh, pretty much every podcast now. We're going to be giving our recommendations 
for things that we think uh, people should check out, read, look into. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, well, I would have to say, let's see. Um, and I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a personal shout out to mm -hmm. somebody who's working with us now. I'm going to give a personal shout out to Brian J.L. Glass. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say people should check out his Mice Templar um, comic book series. Um, he's they've got they've got all the trades. There's uh, there's uh, seven volumes, mm -hmm. um, and um, and it's a really really good story. It's like um, it's almost like it's almost like Game of it's it's like it's like it's like it's like Game of Thrones with mice. But with none of the sex in it. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to see you know cartoon mice fucking each other. <laughs> no, but, that's not good. But 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 it is at least. Uh, but at least it is still at least like it in the fact that there's there's just as many people getting killed, just as many decapitations. You know, it's like it, it's uh, you know, and, and 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 but then but then you have uh but then you even have but then you have like twice as many like um killings and betrayals. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, so no, I, I definitely want to, to say that is uh, I'm going to give a personal shout out to Brian and say check out his Mice Templar uh, series of graphic novels. They are all really great. Definitely worth it. Um, you know, if if you're if you're a fan of something like uh, Secret of Nim, but you didn't think it was violent enough, yeah, check out Mice Templar. <laughs> Secret of Nim. Rated fucking R. <laughs> um, I have one that I've been reading for mm -hmm. since last night because I got it uh, yesterday. Is uh, Vampire Kisses by Sarah Bailey. Um, I'm on to the 13th chapter and it's just oozing with vampirism and got that sexy vibe to it mm -hmm. it's got the danger you're looking for it's got the ominous beautiful vampiric feel yeah. that twilight doesn't have because it's gay <laughs> um, so no offense to any of our homosexual fans exactly because you're probably gonna ring our necks for that but anyway regardless um, check her out because she is a fantastic writer. Also, check out Sean's Fur Lodge. That's S-E-A-N, not S-H-A-W-N. Big difference. Yeah. I'm not going to say his last name because I fucked it up last time in the podcast, and I don't need Paul railing my ass for it because he was just making fun of me all over the place, and it was actually quite funny. I just, I just don't want to butcher his name again. <laughs> so, if you look up Fur Lodge, F-I-R Lodge by Sean on Amazon.com and get that, that is a fantastic book. Yeah. So, definitely check that out. Okay. Anything else? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, we, we probably at least want to um, update people on on what what's going on with, like, Crazy Monkey Inc., um, you know, because this is the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, you know, in terms of what's going on, um, we, we, you know, we, we, we should be, we, we should be starting the, um, Darum number four Kickstarter mm -hmm. this month. 
Um, that that's that's going to be one of our uh, big upcoming things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I believe um, I believe you are near, uh, uh, or at least Gaspar's near the end of the pages of Taxi Cab Joe number two. Yeah, it starts back um, on it during in September. Yeah. So, um, Amy is, or or as most people know her is. Um, um, Tui Tam. I think it's Tui Dom is how she said it was pronounced. Dom? Dom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, but, uh, no, she, you know how you said that Paul reamed you for getting his last name wrong? Yeah. Uh, last time I got Amy, last time I got Amy's uh, pen name wrong, she, she reamed me for that. So. You're going asshole. <laughs> <laughs> But but anyway, um, but anyway, she is uh, she is hard at work on the uh, on the Darum Zodiac crossover. Yes, it's looking really good. <laughs> oh yes, awesome. And uh, I Mark Swan um, will be releasing uh, Monsters on the Run number three in September. Mm -hmm. That is also good. And yeah. um, in October, I should be releasing Sexy Zombie Hunters. It's still tentative for October. I will let you know if it changes months or if it changes a couple of days. But it's, but, but it's been <coughs> finished. So, um, as, so right now, as of this podcast, it's still greenlit. It's still a go. It's still on for October. Exactly. So with that said, Jared, thank you so much again for coming in on the podcast. Oh, yeah, always. Always, it's always a pleasure. It's always fun having you. Oh, yes. Um... Just remember, everybody, be good to each other. Smile at someone who might need it. Give someone a hug. Um, just make sure it's not forced or you're going to get some legal action against you. Um, and do your best to treat each other with kindness because we really need that in the world and it's kind of lacking. So do your best to show love wherever you go. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Have a good night.